Welcome to Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion Podcast. I'm Damien Thompson. Have you ever been bullied or mocked at work because of your religion, been the butt of secularist jokes? Are you afraid to display your faith in front of your workmates? A new report by Comrades says HR managers aren't doing as much as they could to, quote, celebrate good practice in creating a workplace culture where people of all faiths and none can thrive. Hmm, is that a good idea, or are we dragging religious believers into a grievance culture that will drive employers nuts? I'm joined by my new Holy Smoke co-presenter, Christina Odone. Later, we'll be discussing this initiative, um, not one that appeals to me, I have to say. But first, I want to ask an employer what he makes of it. Henry Dimbleby, co-founder of Leon Restaurants and the new Food Entrepreneurs London Union. This is what he had to say. We obviously have all of the normal you know, policies, regulatory policies that you have in your contracts enforced right by law about not discriminating. My general view is that that legal side of things can become a tick box exercise and the fact that you are forced to do it means people feel somehow by having a policy that they are creating an environment in which people feel accepted, valued. Whereas actually what you, the work that you have to do to make people feel uh, across all, not just religion, but across you know, that, that they are accepted, whether they're gay, straight, uh, from different racial backgrounds, from a different country, is build a great culture. And what we focus on doing is not preventing bad things happening. If you start trying to prevent bad things happening, you're lost, but fostering a culture of acceptance and honesty and openness. So we don't do anything specifically on religion. We allow people to wear religious symbols, you know, but we don't have any Thing, preventing people from doing things but we, what we found is if you have a positive culture then you don't start you don't get the problems have you had any employees ask if they can perform religious observances we were talking earlier on about prayer rooms you know and on prayer rooms you know, we don't have any prayer rooms in our restaurants to my knowledge no one has asked us if we should have a prayer room. I don't know if, are they going down to the to the uh, storeroom or the walk-in fridge to observe their rituals uncomplaining. I don't... Well, could you, I fit, a, could you fit a prayer room? It, it would be really tricky, actually, in a lot of our sites to fit a prayer room in. But, you know, you have to play these things by ear. If we happened to open, perhaps, in, a, in an area where there were a much higher number of Muslim people who we were employing, and someone came, you know, we had a team that maybe had of the 20 people, 10 Muslims, and they said that would really like to find space, then in that situation I can see us trying to find something. I don't think you can, you know, you cannot guarantee that for every religious practice you will be able to put it in place because it's just not, it's not practical. There's stuff in the report about people being the butt of religious jokes and generally an assumption that, you know, religion crops up in conversation. But does it? Have you ever heard any of your employees talking about religion? No, I, I think that, I mean, it's really interesting that there are kind of two, there are two views on this. There's a kind of snowflake view of people who say, oh, well, you know, come on, we were much more robust. We all made jokes about each other's religion back in the day, and everyone took it as being a joke. But my view is that, that the problem with that is we do live in a different time. People are more sensitive. 
And I don't think people do make religious jokes, except for people they're very, very they where there's trust that A, they share values, B, probably they're not being racist. You know, so for example, if you have very close personal friends where you're a different religion, you might mock each other in a way that would seem completely out and would be completely outrageous in the workplace. So my view is that people who try and bring that kind of really essential, very dark humour in personal relationships into the workplace under the pretense of, oh, you know, these snowflakes, they should be able to put up with it. I think that's actually quite bullying and dangerous behaviour. We had one instance a long time back where we had a Muslim woman who was running the uh, one, our main production kitchen, a hijab-wearing Muslim woman, and there were a couple of Catholic, Eastern European Catholics on the team. And they didn't see eye to eye at all. They were they you know they didn't get on. They both accused the other of dishonest practices, of theft, in fact. And it was the one tribunal. It was the only tribunal I've ever actually attended. And religion never came up, but it did. It did make me question whether there was just you know tribal, a very tribal, deep-seated distrust and therefore on both sides an assumption that the other side were behaving properly that led to that breakup. Do you think there's a danger that by focusing so much attention on the right of workplace employees to practice their religion during work hours and, and for conversations to be sensitive, you're actually going to generate a grievance culture which we already have in many areas of national life and will spread to the field of religion, so that religious people will walk in waiting to take offence. It's interesting, the idea of the grievance culture. So, definitely, when I've seen in businesses or businesses of friends of mine, when people have been being really unreasonable or trying to take you on on the letter of the law, it has almost always been because someone behind the scenes has been saying they are doing you over and egging them on, you have a right here. You know, so in good cultures, it's quite rare, but when it does happen, there's always someone saying, fight for your rights. And I'm sure that's the case with any kind of rights, is that it does, people who are either disposed to, to place themselves in the role of victim, or who will encourage other people to do so, will seize upon those rights and use those as a grievance. Again, I think that a good culture within a company overcomes a hell of a lot of that. But if you've got a culture where a company is treating, as is quite common, is treating their people like shit. Can I say like shit? Yes, you can, yeah. <laughs> I've said it before. Right. If you have a company that's treating their people like shit, that's treating them like another resource, uh, whether that's money or stuff, then... They deserve to get a grievance culture, to be honest. If you don't trust people and treat them like humans, then you deserve to be, to be shafted. That was Henry Dimbleby. Now, over to you, Christina. I think it's absolutely understandable that any boss, any employer, is worried by the threat of a grievance culture festering among his staff. But religious liberty, and I believe that you know anybody who listens to Holy Smoke is an adherent to the protection of religious liberty. Religious liberty means that we must protect religious cultures and, and let 
people of faith express that faith. So, for instance, the wearing of the yarmulke, the wearing of a cross, and yes, also taking, you know, Friday midday off to go to the mosque for prayer. I think we have to make reasonable accommodation for belief. Well, I agree, although you talk about protecting religious cultures, which makes me kind of think like they're creatures in a zoo. Nonetheless, religious liberty, well, religious liberty to do what? I think all these things are basically exercises in drawing the line. Yeah, obviously fine with yarmulkes, fine with a cross, fine with a woman wearing a hijab, which is just just a, a simple head covering. But I'm not fine with a woman in a full burqa whose face you can't see. If I'm confronted with that, that you know, that that's a restaurant I'm going to boycott. Sorry, I'm not. I wouldn't be fine with a Scientologist who insisted on parking his e-meter on his desk. Yeah, not fine with being ear bashed by evangelical Christians. Ah, but that's at, preaching at the in the workplace. That's well, preaching in the workplace. Indeed, and that, of course, raises the question: What's the difference between being comfortable manifesting your faith and? preaching it. Absolutely. And of course, it raises other issues that, for instance, we've had to face in the past and that have gone to work tribunals, like the Christian registrar who refuses to marry a gay couple because he claimed that this was against his religious faith. Now, if we could accept conscientious objectors during World War II, why can't we accept conscientious objectors who say, I cannot fulfill my workplace demands because of my faith. Well, we accepted some conscientious objectors during World War II, and some of them we interned, including some quite famous people. We drew the line, and I'm glad we interned them. My fear is that this grievance culture will turn religion into an exercise in offence-taking. And my instinct is that if Christians don't feel comfortable referring to their faith in the workplace, then... Maybe they should grow a pair or pick another religion. And they should also be prepared to be slapped down if they bore their workmates by proselytizing. Well, my fear is is the opposite. My fear is that, once again, we've got an instinct to drive God out of public life, drive God from the workplace, and pretty soon being a Christian or a Jew or a practicing Muslim means locking yourself in your bedroom with consenting adults and never being able to express the love that dares not speak its name. If you're a wimp, is my response to that. The state should protect the weak and the wimps. The Christians, the early Christians, went in to meet the lions in the amphitheater. Yes, and they were also driven into catacombs. throw a fit if somebody disses them in the canteen. And I think that's a very unhealthy state of affairs. And I do sometimes think that the militant secularist is a little bit of a convenient bogeyman for Christians who actually aren't that comfortable talking about their faith and don't really want to anyway. Oh, come on. I think that that poll was pretty indicative. 17%, that's, you know, one in five people have actually felt that because of their faith, they were being discriminated against in the workplace, mocked. Embarrassed. Because they were asked questions in a poll. And speaking of somebody who's done a a certain amount of sociological research, I know how easy it is to elicit particular responses if you sit people down and say, do you feel you've been discriminated against? A certain proportion of people are going to say yes, even if 
to an outsider, they actually haven't. It bothers me that this, this poll thinks that HR departments are so important in managing the environment in which people express their faith or don't express their faith or say or don't say appropriate or inappropriate things. I hate this culture. It comes from America. And to me, it turns religious liberty into, sorry to repeat myself, an exercise in offence-taking. And I hate this culture because I think it's appalling that people of faith need to fear ridicule or embarrassment simply by expressing their belief in their workplace. Well, I'm not sure that they do live in fear of this ridicule and embarrassment, but I agree if an employer is so mean-spirited and nasty as to ban the wearing of a small religious symbol, especially a Christian religious symbol like, like the cross around the neck, then what happens? The tabloids go absolutely bananas and the employer has to back down. And <laughs> that, to me, is a rather more healthy state of affairs than this endless sort of dirigiste HR managing of religious best practice. Okay, so it's forget the employer's tribunal, let's have trial by tabloid instead? Well, that's a bit rich since we both write for tabloid. Touché. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, Holy Smoke, the Spectator's Religion podcast is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you go to get your podcasts, but don't miss it. Mm.